Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we stand to our feet and bless the Lord together? Can you thank Him for who He is? Come on, is He worthy? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We clap and bless you, Lord. We shout with the voice of triumph because of who you are. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your holy name, Lord. Amen, amen. While you're standing, we're going to go to the word of the Lord. Take you to Psalm chapter 116, verses 1 through 4. Amen. Psalm 116, verses 1 through 4. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me. The pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. And I'm going to preach part two of Psalm 116. The title again is, God Helps Those Who Cannot Help Themselves. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let us pray in Jesus' name. Lord, you are the living word. Now I pray that you, by your holy anointing and power, would preach the written word through me, God. I pray that you would cause my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer and inscribe your words upon our hearts, our minds, that we might understand, that we might apply and obey and do your will. We ask it all in the name of Jesus and give you the glory. And can you do that with me right now? Let's give him all the glory, for he is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome to the Church of Omaha. So glad you are here. Amen. And welcome you. If this is your first time, welcome. If you've been a few times and you're back, welcome back. Amen. If you're joining us online, thank you for tuning in. Amen. We welcome and greet you in Jesus' mighty name. Isn't God good? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Supplications are those earnest and deep prayers that entreat our God for help. And remember, God helps those who cannot help themselves. Amen. The 116th psalmist must have already received the help that he needed. Because he opens this psalm by saying, I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because, verse 2, He hath inclined His ear unto me. He already lets us know that whatever it was that He was praying about, God had already done it. God had already helped him. In other words, this psalm is a testimony of what God had done. It therefore causes him to declare that I will call upon him. The end of verse 2. Therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. In other words, because God has heard me, because God has dealt with me, because God inclined his ear, I'm going to serve him for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. It wasn't that he was living for God just to get some sort of benefit, but it was the fact that because God was a man of his word, 
It caused him to say, I'll be a man of my word and serve him for the rest of my life. Amen? Hallelujah. The psalmist sheds a little bit of insight as to what may have been the trouble and the cause for his need for help. He says that the sorrows of death compassed him in verse 3. That the pains of hell got hold upon him. That he found trouble and sorrow. And in all of this, what he's describing what happened, and we're, it's, it's vague. We don't know for sure what it was. It could be emotional. It could be physical. Uh, but whatever it was, that, that this pain, this trouble, this sorrow that he felt, he says in verse 4, Then called I upon the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I beseech Thee, deliver my soul. Can I tell you the best thing to do when you've got a need is to go to the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, hallelujah. His name is higher than any name. Hallelujah. His name is higher than any circumstance. His name is higher than any disease. His name is higher than any kind of problem or situation. Hallelujah. Then, he says, called I on the name of the Lord. Again, this indicates that he's telling us his testimony. We don't really know for sure what it was that caused him to feel this way. But we do know what he did about it, and we do know that he praised God for the victory. And again, this is his testimony. In fact, I just feel led of the Holy Ghost to tell somebody here this morning, you might have walked in here with some problems, but you're going to leave here with a testimony. You might have come this morning bearing a burden, but you're going to leave here bearing a blessing. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, let me ask you, and please, this is not for call and response and answer right now, but, but I want you to think about these questions. What, what's troubling you? What, what has caused you sorrow? If you were to put yourself in this psalm and verse 3 became your testimony, what is it that, that you're going in? Is it a physical situation? Is there an emotional or a financial matter? Is there something that's plaguing your spirit or mind? Well, if there is, then you can do the same thing that the psalmist did. Amen. You can call upon the name of the Lord. In fact, Jeremiah tells us, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that when I call upon God, even if all 8 billion people in the world are calling upon Him at the same time, He's going to hear my prayer. He's going to hear my I cry and he's going to respond. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but when, when, you know, more than one person starts talking to me, I have a hard time keeping track. Like what you said, what? Whoa, stop. One at a time, right? God doesn't have to do that. He can hear your cry and your cry and your cry and your cry online and the cry in China and the cry in Africa today simultaneously. Praise God. Well, this shouldn't surprise us because the Bible says God is a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. Again, He helps those who cannot help themselves. In, in Psalm 21, 20 verse 1, excuse me, it says that He hears us in the day of trouble. The name of God defends us. 
Praise the Lord. So, like the 116th psalmist, if you'll call upon him, you'll realize that he's worthy of lifelong praise and worship and adoration. And you too will want to call upon him as long as you live. In fact, you might even like David said in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Somebody make it personal right now. Say he's my light. Come on, say he's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Somebody say my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, when you read these Psalms, you can make them personal. Yes, they literally happened. Yes, they're surrounding a historical context of, of the writer and the events and so forth. But you can make it personal because Scripture is given to us for inspiration and for instruction. It's given to us to edify and, and correct us and teach us. Amen. Amen. So make these verses uh, uh, to you, personal to you. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh they stumbled and fell notice who stumbled and fell they did not me hallelujah if you'll stand for God he'll stand with you your enemy will stumble but you'll stand strong hallelujah though an host should encamp against me my heart shall not fear this is the third time he's mentioned fear can I tell you that the enemy wants you to be afraid he wants you to be afraid of the deep state he wants you to be afraid of the government he wants you to be afraid of a virus I want you to be afraid of, of you know, all kinds of different things that the media throws at us. But can I tell you, if you'll trust in the Lord, if He'll be your guide, you don't have to be afraid. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The war should rise against me in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire His temple. Now watch verse 5. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Can I tell you that if you'll go to God with your need, if you'll go to God with your situation, he'll hear you. He'll incline his ear to what's going on and he will protect you and provide for you. Hallelujah. Notice verse 6. And now. Somebody say now. It's going to happen today. I prophesied in the name of Jesus. You're going to leave here today with a now kind of testimony that I might have walked in that door one way, but I'm leaving a new way. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in His tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. God helps those who cannot help themselves. When you find yourself in trouble, take heart. God is also in trouble with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not just with you in the good times. He's not just with you on the mountaintops. He's with you in the valleys. He's with you in the dark times. He's with you in the pain. He's with you in the sorrow. God is with you when you get a bad report from the doctor. He's with you when the bills are due. He's with you always. Hallelujah. He'll protect you. He'll provide for you. And He will answer you speedily. 
So these first four verses are all about the supplication. And, and even though the victory's already been won for this psalmist, and even though he's already uh, seen God do it, he's speaking in past tense, he's letting us know there was a moment, there was, there was an issue, there was a situation. And I'm not trying to take away from the reality of that and just be, you know, all kinds of, you know, good and faith-filled. But, but he went through it. He, he, he persevered through it. He suffered through it. And what did he do when he came to that place? He called on the name of the Lord. The next uh, uh, four verses uh, capture what it means uh, to, to understand salvation. Amen. He declares multiple attributes of God and God's saving power. Watch what he says here. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. Three right there. Gracious, righteous, merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. He's a preserver. I was brought low. He helped me. God helps those who cannot help themselves. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with me. He's, he's one who deals bountifully. Thou hast delivered my soul from death. He's a deliverer. My eyes from tears. My feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. He gives us all of these attributes. Gracious, righteous, merciful, preserver, helper, blesser, deliverer, keeper, protector. Telling us these are the things that God did for me. How many of you need some of those in your life? How many of you need one or two or all of those in your life? Well, guess what? He's there for you too. Call upon Him. And he'll be your salvation as well. Praise God. The psalmist also gives us a little insight, maybe a clue, as to what was the cause of his trouble and sorrow. He said, I was brought low, and he, God, helped me. This might indicate an emotional weight that was upon him. It might even be uh, something that related to what we would call depression uh, today for a season. Now, we're not sure what it was or what happened or even how long this low point was for the psalmist. But he does let us know he experienced it. Here's what's interesting to me. He doesn't candy coat it. He doesn't act like he didn't have a problem. He tells us he had the issue, but he focuses more on telling us God delivered him from it than telling us what it was. Now, please understand, I'm not saying we shouldn't have testimonies like I did back in February through uh, April. I'm not saying we shouldn't do things like that and, 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 and discuss uh, how God's been good to us and all of those things. And, and I think you should tell your testimony. But as long as that testimony includes a whole lot of saying, I was this, but He saved me. I was that, but He took care of me. I was here, but He brought me here. Hallelujah. Because it's not glorifying the sin or the problem or the issue. It's saying, yeah, I experienced it, but I found hope in God. Praise the Lord. In verses 7 and 8, he tells us, Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For the Lord hath delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. We can further deduce from how he says this and writes this that this emotional situation also caused him to sin. The reason is he, he uses a phrase called return to God's rest. And his soul being delivered, the, the inmost being of who he is, that, that part of him that lives forever. 
Okay? This indicates a spiritual renewing had taken place in the life of the psalmist. He talks about tears being wiped away and God establishing or re-establishing His feet so that He would not fall. All of these are indicators that the psalmist in his emotional low point also sinned and came short of the glory of God. Well, every last one of us could raise both hands both feet, if you're sitting, don't try to do that if you're standing. That wouldn't, unless you're an Africa bat, you might be able to do that. But we could all raise our hands and say, I've been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. We go through a low point. But how many of you are glad that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous? No, no, we don't sin that God, uh, you know, uh, grace abounds. Of course, God forbid. But, but when we do, amen, aren't you graceful, or gracious, excuse me, that you can go to a grace-filled God and say, Lord, I, I, I sinned, I messed up, I need help here. And He'll forgive you. He'll return you to your rest. He'll, he'll uh, uh, renew your soul. He'll, he'll deal bountifully with you. He'll forgive you. He'll deliver your soul from death, amen, and your eyes from tears and your feet from falling. That's why the psalmist could then say in verse 9, Therefore I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I fell, but He picked me up. I sinned, but He cleansed me. I, I was down for the last count, but He Picked me up again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Interestingly, the word hell in verse 3, we saw previously in verse 3, that ver uh, word means the grave or the place of the dead. It can also indicate the place where the wicked go to await their judgment, which the final judgment is the second death in which hell and death are cast into the lake of fire. The psalmist then says in verse 9 that he will walk before the Lord, which, listen to what walk before the Lord means. It literally means face to face in the presence of. <laughs> wow. I will walk before the Lord face to face in the presence of the Lord in the land of the living Here's what it means. He was looking beyond this life to eternal life. There's, there's an element of prophetic here that the psalmist steps from the here and the now to the there and the then. And says, you know what? Because I've been forgiven, one day I'll live with him forever. I don't know what he may have understood about New Testament salvation. I don't even know who the psalmist was. We don't know. But I do know this. He caught at least a glimpse of what eternity with God is all about. And can I tell somebody, hell is too hot and heaven is too beautiful to miss. Amen. I want to make sure that I walk with him in the land of the living. Hallelujah. I can't help myself. I can't save myself. But if I'll call on him, he can hallelujah if you're here today and need to be renewed or restored or delivered or saved guess what you're in the right place because this is a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and the healing promised through Jesus Christ hallelujah praise God the next few verses verses 10 through 14 we see a sense of surrender. 
Notice what he says here in verse 10. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. Did you, did you see the, the tense? He didn't say I am. I was. He's testifying. And again, the I believed is more proof that this was past tense, that he's, hey guys, this is my testimony. I walked through it. I, I fell and I sinned, and, but God saved me. I believed. Amen. I, I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. This might also give us another clue as to what the psalmist was going through. It's possible that, that he had been let down by somebody. Have, well, anybody ever been let down by somebody else? You know what saddens me is some people have been let down by the church. It's why we've got to do our dead level best to always be Christ-like in everything we do. Amen? So whatever this was that hurt him, he, he admits, I said in my haste, oh, men are like, this means he's realizing I said it, but that's not really the facts or the truth. I, I spoke from my emotions. How many of you know your emotions aren't always right? Right? We, we get some feelings about something. You, you ever thought that, well, I, I feel this way about something, therefore it must be true? That's called circular logic. And it, it how many of you also know that 100 times out of 100, it, you're wrong? Right? I remember one time somebody said, you didn't wave at me. And they thought that because I didn't wave at them at the intersection that I somehow didn't like them. So I, I did the holy and right thing. I took the low road. I said, I'm sorry. I, I do like you. I, I apologize. I didn't see you. By the way, what intersection was it? It was the one right over here at 108th and Maple. Anybody ever drove through that intersection? You know there's like four lanes going, you know, both ways. And on 108, there's two on each side, right? We were in, like, I'm in this lane turning this way. They're in that lane turning that way. It's like, well, I'm sorry, out of 400 cars, I didn't see you. I apologize. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying, sometimes our thoughts about something... Because I didn't look all the way over. Oh, hey. You know, eight cars later. Right? But that's exactly what we do. And the psalmist is saying that. I said in my haste. I was so angry. I was so hurt. I was so frustrated. I was in this low point, And I made a statement. And I realize now it wasn't necessarily true. Do all men lie? Well, I'm, a lot of them have, and a lot of them do, and the Bible does say let God be true and every man a liar, but there's also some good men out there that don't lie. All means all. I don't think he's really thinking about what he's saying there. Does that make sense? Verse 12, he says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits to me? In other words, how can I repay God for all that He's done? Can I tell you, God doesn't want to be repaid? Besides, 
You can't. I dare any one of you to try to outgive God. I promise you. He'll figure it out and He'll abundantly bless you when you're not expecting it. Okay? You can't outgive Him. You can't outthink Him. You can't outpray Him. You can't out. I'm just telling you, try it. You'll have fun trying, but you will not succeed. So he's not necessarily saying, God, I want to pay you back so that we're even here and now we don't owe each other anything. What he's saying is, it's, it's rhetorical. What can I do? I mean, God, you're God. What can I really give you? So what does he say I'll do? Notice, he says, I will. This is engaging his will, engaging, amen. He's saying, I'm going to make a decision here. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all the people. The cup of salvation most likely refers to the Passover cup. And, and especially because the word salvation is used, this indicates God's power to save, deliver, and heal. As you know, the Passover was, was instituted as Israel uh, left Egypt and as God delivered them from Egypt. And so deliverance and salvation and healing are a part of taking that Passover cup. So he's saying, God, when I do this, when, when the Passover feast comes, I will take this and I will worship you, thanking you for saving and delivering me. I won't just look all the way back to Egypt when it was instituted. I'll look at my own personal deliverance and say, God, I was at a low point and you brought me out. In fact, that's what communion's all about when we celebrate it, when we take it. Amen. It's not just to doing something to have a ritual or, or a practice. It's to look back and say, God, you forgave me. You picked me up when I was down. You, you saved me. Hallelujah. And that's what he's saying. I'm going to take this cup. I will pay my vows, verse 14, unto the Lord now. Everybody say now. I'm not going to wait till Sunday. I'm not going to wait till the next feast. I'm not going to wait till the next revival. I'm not going to wait till the next prayer meeting. I'm going to do my vows now. And then he says, in the presence of all the people, can I tell you, we should not be ashamed to praise the Lord. I want to challenge everybody here today. You want to know how to have good church? Let me tell you what it's not. Good church is not the pastor doing all the praying and all the fasting and just preaching like a madman, sweating up and being crazy. It's not how it happens. It's not Sister Powell, praise team, doing all the theatrics and, and you know, cheerleading everybody. That's not how we have good church. You know how we have good church? You ready for this? It's by what you put into it. I'll never forget. You want to talk about a visual. Sitting about where Joseph and Emily are. Service one night. It wasn't in this church. It was another church north, south, east, and west of here. And uh, if you can figure that out, you come and tell me. Hey, man. But anyway, they, they were sitting there. and The, 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 the one sitting on the end... Of the, of the aisle was just, I mean, they were in it. Yeah, amen. Whew, praise God, it's good. Yeah. Just, I mean, they were all in, right? And, and the one sitting next was like. No joke. Into the service. The one with crossed arms and all that came to me and said, I didn't get anything out of the service. 
Trust me, I had to do everything I could to restrain my sarcasm. Some of you have the gifts of discerning of spirits, and all. I have the gift of sarcasm. I don't know if it's one of the nine gifts or not, but I've got it. Let me tell you, Pastor Lucas, it was coming to the forefront. I had to bite my tongue. Because the, the, the one sitting next to them had come to me and said, Wow, this was the best service I've ever been in. Well, stands to reason. One of you was putting something in, and the other was waiting for it to get over so he could leave. Listen, I've been in some church services where the preacher couldn't preach his way out of a paper bag. I've been in some church services where the you know, keyboard was off and the drummer was out of tune and out of beat and all this, and I've still had good church because I haven't come for one of you. I've come for the only one who's worthy of the highest praise. And if you think I'm going to sit on my hands, if you think I'm going to cross my arms, you've got another think coming. Woo! Praise God. And the psalmist is saying the same thing. I'm going to pay my vows in the presence of all God's people. He's not saying it to be prideful. He's not saying, hey, look at me. I know how to praise God. What he's saying is God's been too good for me to sit on my rear end and just watch a service go by. I'm going to take every opportunity to say, thank you, Jesus. You didn't have to do it, but you did. You didn't have to pick me up, but you did. You didn't have to save me, but you did. Woo! I was greatly afflicted. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All of this leads to the final set of verses, beginning at verse 15, that highlight a sacrifice. It is very possible that the psalmist may have struggled with even the death of a loved one or Maybe the reality of his own impending death. As he begins verse 15, he says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What this is saying is twofold. A saint that dies faithful to the Lord, it's, it's precious to him in that, like we know in the New Testament, to live as Christ to die is gain. And while we grieve the loss of a loved one, if they're a saint... There's a sense of hope that we'll see them again. Amen. But it also means this. It also means God is uh, concerned and cares. The word precious indicates that he's saying, I'm there to be your comfort, your hope, your peace during these times. I'm there to be your strength when death comes. And so again, it might have been a friend of his that died or a family member or a loved one or a wife or I don't know. Or it could be the reality of his own impending death coming. Either way, what he was saying was, God, when I approach that, either the death of a loved one or my own, if I'll stay a saint, it'll be precious in your sight. And I'll hear you say, well done. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying there. Can I tell you, God loves us, cares for us, and comforts us when death comes. Amen. Again, the psalmist uses past tense language. Notice what he says here. Beginning at verse uh, 
Well, Sue 16. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant, the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. <laughs> it's already happened. And again, he engages his will. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. And will, excuse me. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. He says it twice. He said it in verse 14. He says it again here. In the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of the O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Now, in the Bible times, both Old and New Testaments, they did not have exclamation points, highlight, boldface, underline, italicize, all of those things to indicate the emphasis of a text. What they would do instead to emphasize something is they would repeat it. So the fact that this is repeated from verse 14 again in verse 18, the psalmist is saying, by the way, this is what I'm going to do. It's his way of underlining or bold-facing or exclamation points to the text of saying, hey, I'm going to praise him for what he's done for me. Hallelujah. I can't help but think that, that God has this message designed as we get ready to come to the end of the first half and get ready to go into the second half that we're going to say, you know what? I'm going to pull out all the stops and praise God like he's worthy of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does anybody have anything to be thankful for? Hallelujah. Has God saved you? Has God delivered you? Has God picked you up? Has God healed you? Hallelujah. Well, you've got something to praise Him for. If you were to be arrested today, the police officer would say to you, you have the right to remain silent. It's the Miranda warning. It's part of your rights as an American citizen because you have the right not to incriminate yourself and you can keep silent and wait for an attorney and all of that good mess. Well, can I tell you though, when it comes to praising the Lord, you do not have a right to remain silent. In fact, you have a mandate to shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. You have a mandate to clap your hands, lift your hands, and let God know He's worthy. Glory. And all because of what He's done for you. Amen. Amen. We are a spirit-filled church where everyone can be transformed by the hope and healing promise through Jesus Christ. The 11 plus years my wife and I have been here, we've seen person after person, family after family, who God has helped through hurts and pains and issues and situations. And that essence of being a place of hope and healing resonates so much stronger to this day. And so if you find yourself like this psalmist, I want to encourage you that today you can leave here like this psalmist saying, I will praise him. I will offer my vows. I will give the sacrifice of thanksgiving. He's too good not to praise him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God helps those who cannot help themselves. God is the helper of the fatherless. 
That doesn't just mean if you've lost a father to death. It can also mean if you had a father that maybe rejected or abandoned you. Psalm 1014 is where that verse is. He's the helper of the fatherless. Praise God. Psalm 46.1 says he's a very present help in trouble. That, that phrase, very present, means he's already there. I want you to think about that for a minute. Before you even get to the trouble, he's already there. When we get into trouble, sometimes we're like, God, where are you? Where are you? What's going on? You know, just once in my life, I wish God would say, I'm right here. I've been here before you got here. <laughs> it's kind of like the story I heard. It's a slant on the, well, you'll figure out which parable to slant on, but this man had fallen into a little bit of a ditch-like area down in this little hole. Couldn't get out. Couldn't figure out how to get out, so he's yelling for help. He's okay, nothing broken, nothing bruised, just you know, a few scratches, but he's, he can't seem to get out. He's hollering, help, help. About that time, a, a doctor comes along and hears him hollering for help and says, hey, I know just the thing. He writes out a prescription, throws it down. The guy says, thank you. I'm still down here. Can't get the pills. <laughs> the doctor thinks he's done his job and walks on. A few minutes later, this, this preacher comes along and, Guy's still hollering for help. He goes, I know just the thing. Hold on. Writes out this 23rd Psalm. Throws it down on a piece of paper and goes, okay. Can I get out, though? <laughs> still down here. <laughs> a few minutes later, third man comes along. Guy's still in the hole hollering for help. About this time, this third guy jumps down the hole with him. He's like, Okay. Why'd you do that for? Now we're both in this hole. He says, yeah, well, I've been here before, and I know the way out. God's already in the hole, and you're hollering for help. Can I tell you, he's right there behind you. He's right there beside you. He's right there in front of you. Just do what the psalmist did. Jesus, I need some help. Because he helps those who cannot help themselves. He's the comforter, which by the way, another word for that is helper. The Bible says he shall deliver the poor and him that hath no helper. The Bible says he hears our cries for help and rescues us. I'm trying to tell you that he helps those that cannot help themselves. In Isaiah 41, 13, he says, I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Have you ever heard somebody say, who cares? Right? The next time you feel that or someone says that, you respond boldly. God does. He cares. He loves. He wants to help. He is your help. Hallelujah. And Deuteronomy tells us He rides upon the heavens to help us. In other words, faster than lightning streaks across the sky, He rides to help us. Can we stand to our feet and give Him a sacrifice of thanksgiving for His help? Hallelujah! Glory! 
you, Jesus. You're my helper. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen and amen. I want to encourage you, come back from the break and be ready to praise the Lord. Be ready to go all in. Amen. And give it all to God. What do you say? God bless you in Jesus' name.